America's National Parks podcast is sponsored by L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean has partnered with the National Park Foundation to help you find your happy place. And with more than 400 national parks, there's a good chance you'll find one close to home. Discover your perfect day in a park at findyourpark.com. If you're a regular listener of this podcast or our sister podcast, RV Miles, you know Abigail and I are big fans of park videos. You know the short films you watch in the visitor center designed to give you an overview of the site you're visiting. Watching a park video is one of the first things we do as a family before exploring a park, and I love the way it sets up what you're going to see as you explore and why it's protected. In fact, several of our past episodes have featured park films or have come about because of a story featured in a film. This episode included. I'm Jason Epperson, and today on the America's National Parks podcast, Channel Islands National Park, and the original 1982 park film, Treasures of the Sea. Now in retirement, this film was replaced in 2011 with the currently running film featuring narration by Kevin Costner. But nothing beats the nostalgia of the original. Islands. For as long as man has looked to the sea, they have beckoned. As he struggled to comprehend his larger world, islands, in their isolated simplicity, would continue to fascinate him. Whether wrapped in cloaks of mist or etched in crystal clarity, we've always yearned to go and to know them. Off the California coast, where it bends toward the west, are five of the eight Channel Islands. Within a protective boundary and as a group, they comprise the Channel Islands National Park, a place waiting to be shared. A place to be protected. place to be seen and savored. <laughs> A place to be discovered. Get a weather check there, please, Gary. Oh, a voyage of discovery and learning. They are moving across a body of water the Santa Barbara Channel that has known many other voyages and vessels. Voyages of commerce, discovery, exploration and conquest over hundreds, even thousands of years.
1542, the Spaniards came this way in two tiny caravels, La Vitoria and El San Salvador, bearing the cross and the sword, seeking to extend the Spanish Empire. They arrived under the command of their captain navigator, Juan Rodriguez Cabrillo. Sent by the Viceroy of New Spain, he had sailed northward, exploring and laying claim to the shores and islands of western North America. He had discovered California. As they explored the islands, one of their discoveries was that there were those who had already been here for thousands of years. They were Chumash Indians, the island people. And in their unique plank canoes called tomols, they moved freely and swiftly between the islands and the mainland. At home in a woodland world, they were gatherers of what nature provided. They were expressive artisans and active traders. In their island domain and its surrounding waters, they were adept and resourceful in reaping the bounty of the sea. The Chumash culture was ultimately destroyed by the Spanish and those who would follow. And the discoverer of California would meet his fate here as well. I have the oil on their need a place to sit and dry out their wings. So they like places like Arch Rock. Eleven miles across the channel, Arch Rock the eastern tip of Anacapa Island, and the first encounter with a world few of us ever get a chance to know. And the cliffside over here. A hauling out place, where sea lions and seals emerge from their secure, watery realm seeking the sun. Though exposed and vulnerable, they tolerate the presence of visitors. They've learned that no harm will come to them here. Anacapa. Mirage a name derived from the Chumash for an island they often visited. Hardly more than a wedge of igneous rock rising from the sea, four and a half miles long, one half mile wide, east, middle, and west. For those who look from the mainland, Anacapa appears to be easternmost in this national park. But 36 miles to the southeast is a tiny island that's really the easternmost outpost, Santa Barbara. Though barely a speck on the charts, close up, 
Santa Barbara is a study in contrasts. Guarded by rugged rocks, flanked by steep cliffs, leading up to a softly rolling interior. Its profile is a gentle saddle nestled between rounded peaks. Though native plant and animal life is still recovering from years of man's intrusion, seabirds have always thrived in this outer island's teeming waters. At the center of the park, the giant, Santa Cruz. With an abundant supply of water, this largest of the Channel Islands was a permanent home to generations of Chumash Indians. For the Chumash, Santa Cruz held a sacred place in their universe. As European man set foot on Santa Cruz during the 17th, 18th, and 19th centuries, they noted its streams and fertile valleys, introduced vineyards and olive groves, and the raising of sheep and cattle. Nature Conservancy and the National Park Service worked to speed the recovery of Santa Cruz from decades of overgrazing by feral animals. Visitors view Santa Cruz as a jewel in an island chain. Just six miles away, across the Santa Cruz Passage, is its neighbor, Santa Rosa. Almost as large as Santa Cruz, it presents a markedly different profile, more worn and flattened. With miles of gentle coastlines where grassland runs down to meet the sea. Island ranching lives on with rare island oaks and a unique stand of Torrey pines, a remnant of ancient Pleistocene forest, images of a western past. Santa Rosa. Though a long way from Arch Rock and East Anacapa, 55 miles to the west, the end of the chain, San Miguel. Under constant attack from the force of the sea and the unending press of coastal winds, 
San Miguel is an outpost for creatures whose existence depends on isolation. It is a place of wind and everything that wind brings with it. The fog may last for a few minutes or for days. But the fog is a face of San Miguel. Though the wind will seldom change, the skies will. And San Miguel's other face is revealed. San Miguel as sanctuary becomes apparent. Thousands of seals and sea lions, six species of pinnipeds. They're here to bask, to feed, and to breed. And they're here because man is not. For hundreds of years, they were slaughtered for their fur, their oil, and leather. Once near extinction, today they're protected and thriving. All they required was to be left undisturbed. You know, there are patterns of life, and patterns of life that was, everywhere on these islands. But the patterns and the relationships in the life out here can really be missed if you don't look carefully. What I mean, I guess, is that there's a difference between looking and really seeing. You'll see boldness, and there's brilliance, and they're of course hard to miss. But there's subtlety too. And there's also detail. And if you're not alert, you'll miss things you can't see anywhere else. Like the island fox, whose small size alone reveals his adaptation to island living. And the Santa Cruz jay, who's different in both size and coloration from his mainland counterpart. Missing life on these islands also requires lots of patience, and a lot more than a casual glance. It's surprising how one's fascination with patterns of life in the present on the Channel Islands can be rivaled by the strangeness of life patterns from the past, too. Like the Caliche Forest on San Miguel. Caliche's the substance and 14,000 years of time, wind, sun, and chemical change have resulted in sand casts of once living plants. It's a very bleak and strange fossil forest. 
The sun beats down on other Stark Island forms, offering mute testimony that there are only two seasons here, one dry and seared, the other not. On the Channel Islands, the dry season stretches from April to December. But there are those who don't mind the lack of moisture. The dormant ugliness of the giant Coreopsis gives no hint of the transformation to come with winter rains. And the close observation of change can lead to understanding as well as pleasure. After the long, dry season, there is an unbridled burst of blooming, a time of rebirth and renewal. As spring arrives and the early months of summer, the exhilaration of rebirth and new life is shared by all the creatures of the Channel Islands. Life is not limited to realms above the surface, but is equally rich deep below and beyond the island's cliffs and rocks. You guys are going to go uh, diving here, and the area they're going to go diving is called a kelp forest. As the unseen now, depths are brought closer, they become aware that they're riding on the upper reaches of an underwater forest. submarine world of the kelp forest, a labyrinth of giant plants reaching upward 50 to 100 feet toward the life-giving sun. A forest teeming with life. For the protection of its delicate ecosystems, an area extending a distance of six miles offshore each island has been designated a National Marine Sanctuary. Its nutrients support a rich and varied chain of life. From microscopic phytoplankton to the largest creatures these waters ever see, the great whales. The kelp forest provides a resting place and feeding ground for California gray whales during their annual migration. wonder.
This happens to be the ochre star. Okay, what we're going to do is just take a look at the variety In their of own hands now, the the wonders ocean. from the world below it's can move them beyond curiosity to a beginning perception of, a of how different parts of the natural world connect. And these animals are very good to eat. They're very popular. The Indians used to love these, the Indians that lived along here. They used to eat these a lot. And you see the shells. There are different ways of understanding nature. And when the western gull settles in, the careful observer knows that change is in the air. In a remarkably short time, nature's capriciousness can show its hand and the Santa Barbara Channel turns angry and treacherous. There is always an end to the storm, but never an end to the story. For man, these islands provide a story of the power of natural forces, of those who understood them and those who did not. And from man's first venturing to these shores, their coasts have been littered with the wreckage of those who did not take heed. To those in danger, a warning to the homeward bound, a welcome beckoning. The lighthouse stands as a testament to man's concern for the safety of his fellow man. Anacapa Lighthouse. Symbol and signature above the sea. Far below, another discovery, where the sea meets the land, between high tide and low tide. Remember you guys, I was telling you about one thing to look for in the tide pool? Yeah. Competition, Competition for space. space, right. The abalones all set up their territory right there, and they can't care. It is a living laboratory for the observation of life that straddles the alternating worlds of wetness and dryness. It is called the Intertidal Zone. Okay, that's what see here. A place where marine life forms, ordinarily hidden from view, can be seen close up in their struggle for space and survival. Now these guys are related to starfish. See their spines? And starfish have spines too. Because of their spines. Okay, starfish and these guys are what's called echinoderm. A spiny skinned animal and the body's in five parts. Can you see the five parts? There's one here. It is another world of the Channel Islands. Accessible, yet profoundly vulnerable. 
it is clear that these islands hold a great deal and they offer a great deal to those who will look carefully and leave them undisturbed. It is a place for the magic of discovery. A place to study, preserve, and protect. A place to appreciate man's niche in a larger scheme. A place to cherish and to shield. A treasure in the sea. Channel Islands National Park. to Channel Islands is like stepping back in time. Once you arrive, you won't find any shops or gear or rental stores, no place to pick up a snack if you're hungry or sunscreen should you forget it. Camping is available year-round on all five islands. Limited backcountry camping is available on Santa Cruz and Santa Rosa Islands, and advanced camping reservations are required for all of the campgrounds. The cost is $15 a night, and you have to carry all your camping gear in. No transportation to the campsites is provided. For those who prefer a day trip to the Channel Islands, the mainland visitor centers in Ventura and Santa Barbara are easily accessible by car or public transportation. However, the islands are only accessible by park concessionaire boats and planes or private boat. There are several concessionaires offering a variety of excursions to the islands and costs vary. Advanced planning is highly recommended. This episode of America's National Parks was hosted by me, Jason Epperson, and featured the 1982 Channel Islands Park film, Treasure of the Sea. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search National Park Podcast. You can also join our America's National Parks Facebook group. For more great American destinations, give us a listen at the Sea America Podcast. Season one is now available wherever you listen to this one. If you're interested in RV travel, find us at the RV Miles podcast. You can also follow Abigail and me as we travel the country with our three boys at OurWanderingFamily.com. This land is your land. This land is my land. From California. To the New York Island From the Redwood Forest To the Gulf Stream waters This land was made for you and me Today's show was sponsored by L.L. Bean Follow the hashtag BeAnOutsider and visit llbean.com to find great gear for exploring the national parks.